Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our subject for the night, it's been coming up a fair amount lately in uh, the groups that I work with and the people that I've been seeing. I mentioned it uh, last week um, as well that the sense of uh, tension in the air with what's happening in Ukraine and uh, and the pandemic and other aspects of our collective consciousness, um, there's a lot of anxiety in the air. Uh, and I wanted to talk a bit tonight or have us explore together calming the anxious mind and some skillful practices to use uh, as we go through these times together. Let me just see uh, if you have your camera on. If you've noticed a bit more anxiety either in you or around you these days, just a show of hands. Okay, so I'm not alone. Well, that's always good to know. Uh, I had a feeling. Um, yeah, of, of course, it's so it's so prevalent today. Therapists, I know a lot of therapists, and just about everyone says they're all booked up, no more room, um, because people are stressed out. And I'm also in the stress business, uh, and all Dharma teachers just seem to be, um, you know, um, having very full schedules and uh, and and people looking for ways to calm themselves down um, because the system gets so jangled. You're just looking at the news, heartbreaking seeing what's happening in Ukraine and of course want to acknowledge many other parts of the world uh, that aren't getting that that same airplay um, as as Ukraine whether it's Yemen or Syria or um, uh, other places in 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 Africa and all I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on. I'm going to just hit the the chat box close for now. So I'll open it up in a little while. Um, but there's, particularly with this situation in Ukraine, as I mentioned last week when we were talking about um, good leaders with the potential for an escalating war that hasn't been quite this way really ever. Uh, Cuban Missile Crisis was the closest where it seemed like there was a, you know, the finger on the nuclear button was a, a possibility for a few days. But, you know, when people start, when when people in power start saying, you know, the nuclear option is not off the table, and with a, a person in power who has so much uh, power and um, is so insular, that just ups the ante a whole other level. Um, there's something called ambiguous loss that uh, many have been going through, almost all of us have been going through in the the last couple of years with the pandemic, not knowing when we'll be safe or not knowing uh, if somebody that we love, um, if we, we might not see them again or uh, because, you know, because of the, the pandemic. And there's so much ambiguity and unknowns in the air. We're, we're going to new territory these days. So, of course, there's anxiety. Um, and then the question is how to work with it. Because it's part of being human. It, it's one of the, the five hindrances, if you know about Buddhist practice, 
uh, the five hindrances that the Buddha spoke of, along with uh, desire and aversion and uh, sloth and torpor or sleepiness. And the fourth hindrance is usually called restlessness and agitation, which is really um, another name for anxiety. And then the fifth precept, the fifth hindrance is um, uh, is doubt. So it's right there. It's part of the human condition. And something that you might take a little bit of comfort in is that that mind of restlessness and agitation, or restlessness anyway, is even present at the third stage of enlightenment. There are four stages. Fourth stage, you're a fully enlightened being. No more work to do. Third stage, pretty rarefied atmosphere. There's restlessness in the mind. So uh, don't be hoping that it will go away. You know, until you're fully enlightened, you'll probably have some, some of it but it seems like it's a, a little bit stronger these days. So it just felt right to, to share. Oh, and I, I wanted to mention, and I'll be reading some from it. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, here it is. Um, just this last week by our, uh, while we were buying some food at the local uh, grocery, um, I saw this, the new issue of the Lion's Roar, which is a Buddhist periodical um, coming out of um, Tricycle, what used to be Tricycle, now it's called the Lion's Roar. And the, the, um, the title of the issue is Finding Calm in Times of Anxiety. And so I said, oh, that's right on my mind. Okay. And they've got some really good articles in here, and I'll be sharing from... Uh, from some of them. Um, so I thought it would be good to, to talk about this now. Mm -hmm. The one point I want to mention about anxiety is that it's closely related to fear you know, fear and anxiety, but there's a difference in between the two. Fear, generally, there's um, a clear threat or danger or something that we're uh, feeling threatened by. But anxiety is uh, more amorphous where there's just a general threat, but we don't quite know. We can't pinpoint what it is. Um, like the war in, U in Ukraine can set that off. Uh, yeah, there can be a fear of a nuclear disaster uh, or the pandemic. There is, it's, there's something there that sets us off though into a state of vigilance so that you know we're not we're not thinking that there's going to be a nuclear war right now but still it sets us off in a in a way that we are starting to feel a bit more uh, on edge and tense and the same with the pandemic you're probably taking good care of yourself but it's just in the air and when, when either of them are activated, when fear is activated, there's a physiological response. It activates the sympathetic nervous system and blood flows to our extremities and uh, getting ready for action, for flight or, or fight. Uh, cortisol and other hormones uh, start shooting through the body. Um, and that's a, it's pretty amazing. We're wired up that way that there can be that response. Okay, time to protect. Um, but with anxiety, that response 
doesn't calm down because um, the threat isn't quite so present. So there's a kind of vigilance that that can can happen, and we just feel ourselves on edge. Um, this is uh, from one of those articles, Pilar Jennings, a, a psychologist. She puts it this way. Mm. Our anxiety carries something deeply personal within it, usually from prior experience that overwhelmed us before we had the resources to cope. So unlike fear, it's laid with personal history that gets linked to current situations. Lurking in anxiety is usually some prior trauma or experience that overwhelms our ability to sustain feelings of relative safety. So if we've gone through um, a natural disaster or experienced a, a tragic loss in our life or gone through a, a war or a threat of war or, or a veteran in, in war or being in a marginalized community where there's threats and, and danger um, much more than in the, the privileged sections of our, of our world, um, that our body has, has already reacted to a real threat and the current stressors um, reawaken the terror of of uh, of loss of too much loss that happened too soon and it kind of re-triggers um, and we all most of us in our own way have some kind of traumatic experience whether we carry it in the forefront or it's hidden there and so we kind of get reactivated. <clears throat> Wanted to ask before we uh, we go on, uh, just reflect in your own in your own life. There were a lot of hands, and uh, just if you are feeling at all anxious these days. Don't have to go there too much, but just to get in touch with, uh, honestly, uh, what happens when you are feeling anxious. What does it feel like inside? How would you describe it? Mm -hmm. As we're doing this, I don't want you to get too activated. So uh, perhaps you might just put your hand on on your heart or some loving touch and just calming yourself down for a few moments. Okay, and then I just opened up the chat box. And if you would describe in a few words what your experience of anxiety or feeling anxious is you know, physically in the mind. So this can be a kind of communal exploration. Let's see, abdominal sensation, tightly knotted stomach, tightness in the heart, um, tightness in the chest, racing heart, tight chest. Feels like there's a rock in my chest. Apprehensive, physical tightness in chest area. It, it does seem to affect the heart, doesn't it? That it's hard to have an undefended heart these days. And we want to protect ourselves. Grief in the throat, tears, restless. Mm-hmm. Scattered, unable to focus, physical and mental restlessness, stomach ache, racing heart, mm, don't digest my food well, tightness in the shoulders. Yeah. Okay, so um, 
that's enough for now. So you can see the the common experience is one of contraction and tightness. Contraction, agitation, tightness, both in our bodies, actual physical tightness, and in our minds too, getting very tight or agitated and not easy to to think clearly. So, <clears throat> well, maybe I'll just wait. Uh, I'll 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 go on for a while. I want I want you to reflect on um, how you work with it in your wisest moments. Maybe I won't put it in the chat. I'll close up the chat for now. But um, just you go inside so you can get in touch with your own wisdom and just reflect in your wisest moments, how do you calm yourself down? How do you come back to yourself and somehow um, allow for those feelings to be there without getting overwhelmed by them. And you might think of the last time that you did whatever might be coming to your mind. So you can just get a sense that the wisdom is, is right inside. I'll share some things from my seat, but I really want you to see that you have already tools if you've been practicing at all, or uh, even if you haven't, that the, the trick is to get in touch with what we already know or sense is good for us. So I'll mention uh, a few things now first. Let's see how we're doing. Well, since there is that contraction that naturally accompanies anxiety, as all the the Akusala states of suffering have contraction, but particularly that restlessness and agitation is a smallness and a tightness as people were putting in the chat box. A key to working with anxiety, and you can see if that was true for whatever you've come you just got in touch with, is somehow creating a larger container, having more space to hold what's here. If you try to get rid of it, how do I get rid of this anxiety? I hate it. What do I do to get out of it? Get away. All that is is more contraction and you are compounding the problem. So not to try, not to get rid of, but to be with, to allow somehow to create a more spacious container where it can be held. As I've said a number of times, if you're, if you're with a child and they're having a tantrum, or they're really frightened, uh, you don't say, hey, just relax, kid. That's not going to be very helpful, you know, especially if you shout it, relax now. But rather, that child needs your love as a spacious, more spacious way to hold all of that agitated energy. <clears throat> So the key is to find a way to have a, a larger container so that you have space to experience without the overwhelm.
And Dharma practice is one of the keys to doing that because that's exactly what mindfulness does. It's bringing awareness to what is here and what we usually avoid. And when we can bring the light of awareness to it with interest, with curiosity, then we are shifting our relationship to it. Instead of thinking we need to run away or uh, somehow manipulate or control it, which is the, the typical response that we have to some perceived threat, that the way is to actually live through the experience of our internal dysregulation through various methods. So we get a little bit of a handle and can open to it. I've shared this poem before and uh, I love it. This is a, it's so clearly expresses it. I, I might've shared it recently if, if so, Pardon the redundancy, but um, here it is, Unconditional by, by Jennifer Wellwood. Willing to experience aloneness, I discover connection everywhere. Turning to face my fear, I meet the warrior who lives within. Opening to my loss, I gain the embrace of the universe. Surrendering into emptiness, I find fullness without end. Each condition I flee from pursues me. Each condition I welcome transforms me and becomes itself transformed into its radiant jewel-like essence. I bow to the one who has made it so, and who has crafted this master game to play it as pure delight and to honor its form, pure devotion. So the way is to, the first way, the prime way, the number one strategy, if you're able to, is to be with it and bring mindfulness to it. As the Buddha said in that Satipatthana Sutta, he said in the in the third foundation, one knows there's a whole list of things, but he says, one the practitioner knows the restless mind as the restless mind. Just simply, oh, one knows, oh, there's restlessness here. Or one knows, oh, this is simply a hindrance, or this is simply an obstacle that is common to all, all of us. And Pema Chodron, a line I've, I've mentioned many times, she says, take delight in the awareness that sees the suffering. Take delight, appreciate, ah, I see you, like the Buddha saying, oh, I see you, Mara, that when we can shine the light of awareness on, on it, there's not that... Um, that sense of hidden lurking in the shadows. Oh, this is what's happening. That mindful self-compassion, uh, those axioms, name it and you tame it, feel it and you heal it. So to, to let yourself actually open to what's here, if you can, is a powerful way to start changing your relationship to that anxiety. But it's not always possible to do that, especially if we're triggered and our, our trauma is activated and we can't be with it. We're beyond that 
window of tolerance where we're either hyper activated or below the window of tolerance where we just go numb and distract ourselves. And so it's really important and valuable to have some other tools to, to work with it. So here are a few. One is um, a reflection that the Buddha gives, um, suggests doing every day, which might seem a little bit uh, paradoxical. We've talked about it be here before. The five daily reflections, reflecting as a practice, more and more you get to become familiar with this. I, um, I am subject to old age. This body is not beyond aging. I am subject to illness. This body is not beyond illness. I am subject to death. This body will die. I am not beyond death. Everything and everyone near and dear to me, I will become separated from. And I am the owner of my actions, my karma. I am the, uh, the actions are my, um, uh, are my inheritance. This my happiness and unhappiness depends on my actions. He says, think about this every day. We've talked about this before. Not to disturb yourself, but just to see, oh, this is part of life. This is part of the package of existence. And I've seen this in my own life as I've taken this on as a practice. So I'm not so confused or um, uh, thrown when sickness happens or when aging happens or when loss happens. Oh yes, this is part of life. And it's a paradoxical thing that the more you come to terms with this reality, the less you are afraid of it. I have rehearsed my death many, many times. I don't know how I'll be on that moment. But I, I do know that having uh, come to terms and made peace with the fact that this is part of the package, and everything else is seems to be part of this plan, that death isn't a mistake, there's been something about just little by little inoculating myself uh, with the truth and to somehow come to terms with that. And Charlotte Bronte has this line I love. She says, to see the worst is to take from fear her main advantage. So to, if that doesn't activate you too much to little by little seeing, oh yes, as the Buddha suggested, think of every day, yes, old age, sickness, death, loss. This is, this is part of our journey that we all go through. And it's an interesting thing that when we are faced with it, often those messengers, the heavenly messengers, the first three are the heavenly messengers, old age, sickness, and, and death, that they open up in us a place that we, we didn't realize was possible. And so many stories of people who were facing death or facing real illness, somehow there's a, a, a a divinity and a magnificence 
that comes through that they didn't even know they had. I wanted to share with you uh, two two of these anecdotes that I I have in Awakening Joy. Uh, with each of these were uh, are two friends of mine, uh, one who's no longer here, and one is uh, our friend Bonnie, who uh, was going through um, uh, the. Um, going through breast cancer and chemo and radiation and the whole nine yards. And um, she went, it was a very intense uh, process. She's fine right now. I just saw her on, on Zoom yesterday. She's one of Jane's closest friends. And this is what she, she wrote. She said, She'd been doing, by the way, years of gratitude practice. So that was a big piece of this. But she says, the second round of chemo has been difficult, but I don't add to the difficulty. What I feel most now is gratitude. I cry now just feeling this. I'm perhaps more aware than ever of the suffering in the world, yet when I woke up the other day and looked at the full moon through the skylights, clouds surrounding it, then moving to cover it, ah, I said to myself, life. So we often need to go through loss to see how precious our life is. And this is my good friend, Don Flexman, who he was president of the board at Spirit Rock uh, in the early days, and he's no longer with us. And as he was going through the last stages of his life, uh, pancreatic cancer, we visited him and uh, just a beautiful guy. He says, I'm now in the richest period of my life. Now that I have less time, I'm more open than I've ever been. I'm amazed at how much joy is available just by smelling a pretty flower, seeing a hummingbird, or hearing a friend's voice, I don't waste my time complaining. Expressing love and gratitude is the most important thing I can do now. So there's something about the magnificence of actually coming face to face with uh, with what we fear, that brings out something in us that's that's quite uh, magnificent. But both of those uh, also point to another strategy, which is changing the channel from fear and anxiety to gratitude. Opening to another perspective, gratitude for what's right is um, a powerful way to shift our alignment. It's something like prayer. When we pray, we are opening ourselves up to a higher power. And in that way, we shift from little me to something beyond ourselves. But when we open in gratitude for the preciousness of our life and all that we do have, it's a very powerful um, antidote to, uh, to anxiety. <clears throat> and even in the, this Ukraine situation, I mentioned this last week, you know, there's, oh my goodness, there's all of these awful scenes, but there's so much inspiration. I just watched Zelensky's speech to Congress um, today that he gave yesterday. This guy, we talked about it last week, he wasn't a, didn't think of himself as a statesman 10 years ago, but something beautiful has come through that is so inspiring that has gotten the world together. Amazing. There's so much outpouring of caring and love. Wow. Not to miss that. Mm. 
What can you be grateful for right now in your life? As you go through whatever you go through, just tune into it right now. And let yourself appreciate For just a few moments, just change the channel. You don't have to dwell on what's what's wrong. Just notice the blessing or blessings in your life. Hmm. Another way to change the channel is metta. So while you're there, inside tune into someone that you really love this was sylvia borstein's uh strategy in uh in this magazine article and it's a it's a common one oh meta opens up the heart create some space just send some love to someone you care about May you be happy, and may you feel my love for you right now. Thank you for being in my life. Notice how that feels. So metta, gratitude. <clears throat> here's uh, here's one that I'll I'll mention from uh, Mingyur Rinpoche. This is also from this this magazine. Mingyur Rinpoche. Perhaps you know he wrote a book. His last book was um, In Love with the World. Uh, a great Tibetan master. His father uh, Tulku Ergen. Rinpoche was one of the great Dzogchen masters. Sokni Rinpoche is his brother. He comes from a, a whole family of, um, of masters. But this is what he has to say. He says, I suffered terrible anxiety in my childhood. I desperately wanted to run away from it and fight it off. I don't know exactly what the true cause of my panic was, but it manifested in many ways. <clears throat> I was terrified of snowstorms. In my hometown in the Himalayas, winter brings many snowstorms. I remember one in particular. The wind was so intense, it shook the house, and my mother found me holding fast to the house's central beam. What are you doing? she asked. I said, I have to save us from this wind. My mom found this very funny. I found no relief in summer either with its rainstorms full of thunder and lightning. <clears throat> Sometimes we go downtown to Kathmandu Valley and I was really scared of the public transportation there. We'd ride the bus and with each bump, my heart would be bumping too. The sound of fireworks go going off was a nightmare for me. I tried so many ways to deal with my anxiety, running, playing, escaping in the nearby caves to hide, but nothing worked. In fact, I learned that aversion only makes anxiety bigger, stronger, and more solid. Knowing how much I struggled, my father, a famed meditation master, advised me to welcome my panic. And I tried that, oh, hello, anxiety, welcome. And it helped a little bit, but not all that much. And then he advised me to go on a long meditation retreat. At the age of 13, I started a three-year retreat. Imagine three years at 13. And he had to deal with his panic and with his anxiety and he was saying, you know, oh, my God, I've got to make friends with this. I, I don't know. But the worse I felt about the panic, the worse it got. So 
he was saying, oh my God, I, I've got, I'm going to go through three years of this. I've got to figure out ways to deal with it. <clears throat> and so he did. And by the way, take you, show you one more picture. This is, this is who he is now. This very panic-stricken child. <clears throat> and so he has a, a few different a few different methods. One of them he finds helpful is meditating on sound, just opening up to sound, which again gives a whole lot more space. Ah. Another he calls changing the channel, which I've been using that expression for a while myself. And uh, it's a, it's a great simple way to do it. Just shift it. And the Buddha talks about this too. The Buddha in one discourse where he says, if you're really disturbed by thoughts, just turn your attention elsewhere. Turn your attention to, um, you know, resourcing yourself, as we say in, in, uh, in trauma work, just looking around, uh, just feeling your body, uh, just opening to loving kindness. And he says, take a look and feel in your own, in your own uh, body uh, places that, that aren't filled with anxiety. Oh, there's not anxiety there. Oh, that's okay. Or breaking it up into pieces, he calls it. Anyway, somehow making friends with it and tuning into your body's warning messages and knowing the signals. And since it's almost... We're almost running out of time. I'll just mention a couple more things and then want to open it up. So we've gone through the self-compassion practice where you can comfort yourself, just learning how to hold it and to, uh, to um, give it space with a compassionate, loving presence. And then there are other ones that I want to open up the box and have you share the uh, hear the wisdom of the group think for a moment now how do you work with it so we can collectively um, see our wisdom together and whatever isn't mentioned i'll mention but go ahead put in the box how do you work with it in your wisest moments lean on my relationships more yes Community is so important. Let it come. Let it go. Come on, more. There's got it. There's a lot of wisdom in this. Go outside into nature. One of the best. Feel connected with life and nature. Yes, and the Buddha recommended that a lot. Walk outside. Watch the birds. Breath work. Play with my dog. Go for a walk. Oh, yeah, pets, exercise, and yoga. Bring my awareness into my heart, my breath. Presence, uh, yoga practice. Sit with my breath. Go on a bike ride. That's one of my favorite. Read a book. Run in the forest. Okay, so getting into your body and getting out of your head. I hold my own hand and squeeze with compassion. Yeah, beautiful. We don't do this alone. We do this uh, with others when we don't have the resources in our own life. So I want to now just open uh, and just to, um, uh, have a few moments where we can um, just have any comments or wisdom and sharing before I, I share my, my, last, uh, my last thoughts. What comes up for you? And uh, you can raise your hand in the, the reactions box down below, um, and then I can call on you. We can have a bit of a dialogue if there is anything you want to share. And don't be shy, particularly if you, um, if you haven't shared, uh, but even if you have. What comes up for you? Either a question, comment, reflection. Yeah, Gaia. Hi. Hi. It's 
So good to see you all. Some familiar faces and some new ones, too. Um, something that I find really useful, especially when things are like turned up a notch or several, um, is I make lists of the things that resource me and I put them in strategic places, like maybe in a car or on my fridge. I might even share it with a friend so that if the trigger gets really strong, I've got a reminder and I don't actually have to think about it and I can start to resource it myself. So just really simple things like making my exhalation longer than my inhalation by a few seconds that will calm my nervous system. Um, getting my dog's ball, just getting it out and watching her respond shifts my energy cause she's so happy. Um, listening to the birds, the birds are arriving back where I live. So I can, so just things like that, that I might not think of when I'm super hyper aroused or really stressed out. Um, so I just wanted to share that it's been a really useful tool and I just have these like resource, like, and you can make them really artistic if you're into artistic or, um, just these resource little reminders in places. Beautiful. What a, what a great, uh, offering make a resource list or a nourishment list. Sometimes I call it. Uh, so you don't have to think, what do I do now? Great. I think that's a great idea for everyone here. You might just maybe in the next 24 hours, write down all the things that, that support you. So when you're getting a little bit, uh, dysregulated, you can go to them. Anything else? Any other pieces of wisdom that you want to share or ask about? Going once. Going twice. Okay, well, I want to close with this poem, another uh, poem. It's by Donna Falls, one of my, my favorite poets. And this is about the importance of community, what we're doing here today. And there's something in every one of the, the groups that I've been in, there's something about just coming together with like-minded friends that creates more space to hold whatever anxiety or tension is there. That's why the Buddha talked about refuge in Sangha as one of the, the three jewels. So this is Dana Fald's poem, Sangha. Teach me what I cannot learn alone. Let us share what we know and what we cannot fathom. Speak to me of mysteries, and let us never lie to one another. May our fierce and tender longing fuel the fire in our souls. When we stand side by side, let us dare to focus our desire on the truth. May we be reminders for each other, each for the other, that the path of transformation passes through the flames. To take one step is courageous. To stay on the path day after day, choosing the unknown and facing yet another fear together that is nothing short of grace. So here we are um, filled with grace that we love the Dharma and that we can come together and not be alone, that we can share our sorrows and our joys, our love of the truth, um, and I really encourage you in this time to um, to reach out to good friends. Uh, and even if you 
you think, oh, I don't want to bother them, you'll probably be doing them a favor as well, because they probably have their own measure of tension and anxiety. And just connecting as friends, this is a time to connect and share your love well. So we'll, we'll close with a dedication and the sharing the merit. Just feeling your own goodness inside that would bring you to a, an evening to spend with others like this. And then to connect with the goodness of everyone here on this call. You're not alone. And now just mm, scooping up all the goodness from our collective intention and imagine sharing it, spreading it out in all directions to all beings, to those in Ukraine, to those in Russia, to those in, in all parts of the world where there's sorrow and suffering. to all those who cause more happiness in the world, and to all living beings, human and non-human, may all share in our collective caring, and may all benefit from our coming here together. May all find happiness and peace. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.